Happy? Yeah. I got a prediction. Uh, j- just curious. Uh, Seattle fans? New England fans? Wow. <laughs> well, here's my prediction, all right? You ready? I predict that one of you will be happy and one of you not so happy. Uh, get happy. <laughs> We've been looking at how we do that. I believe we want to be happy. I believe we long to be happy. But happiness is very elusive. And we have talked about the uh, paradox of, of happiness that I'll never be happy if my ultimate goal of life is for me to be happy. That happiness is one of those things that really is a byproduct of, of how we live when we're pursuing something else, when we're pursuing something bigger, something better. And there, there is something more important than just trying to make myself happy, and that is making your life meaningful. And we've talked about the big difference between pursuing meaning and pursuing happiness. And part of the reason why pursuing happiness leaves us wanting is that happiness, as we've defined it, is kind of an illusion. You know, that idea that if I had the right circumstances, if I had the right job, if I had the right relationship, the right salary, the right house, or the right car, if I had the right stuff, it would make me happy. And the reality is that that kind of happiness, at best, is kind of fleeting. And therefore, a lot of people are just unhappy. You know, the the major reason people are unhappy is because they're expecting that their circumstances will make them happy, which also means that they're allowing their circumstances to make them unhappy. And and so people live these unhappy lives. We've talked about that it's, uh, you know, I'm happy. I'm happy. I'm happy. Almost happy. Happy. Happy, 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 happy. I'm very happy. Seriously unhappy. And that's how people live. You know, happiness is not something out there. It's, it's not something that's based on how my life is, is going. But friends, it's a joy that's in here. And it's something that's God-given. And last week we talked about the, the secret of joy, or one of the secrets of joy. And it's not found in indulging myself. It's not found in advancing myself. But it's found when I die to myself. When I die to myself, what happens is God gets involved. And God brings out the very best me. It allows that to come to life. And we talked about the importance of being joy-filled in our lives. And today what I want to look at is what I believe is the number one obstacle of joy. This may be the biggest reason people are not happy. In fact, it's why you may not be happy. You can't let go of the pain 
You can't let go of the hurt, the grief, the anger, the disappointment, the bitterness. You can't let go of the guilt. See, we can't let go of the past. In fact, everybody in this room, there is something, something that you can look at and you wish that you could just get rid of it. To just let it go. But you haven't figured out how. And, and so what we're going to do is look at how do, how do you break free from your past? How do you break free from the, the power that that thing has in, in your life? That thing that keeps working against you every day. You know, how do we break free from those hurts, from those patterns, from those losses, from those, those sins in our life? I mean, how do we break free so those things don't hold us back from the future that God has for us? How do we break free from those things in our past so they don't steal our joy? They don't steal your happiness. You know, here's a story I think it kind of illustrates what I'm talking about. It's not a true story, but it's about a guy named Joe. And Joe got home late from golfing one evening, a lot later than usual. And so Joe's wife says to him, she says, you're kind of late, you know, bad day on the golf course. He says, well, you know, initially it was fine. But then on the 10th hole, Tom had a heart attack and he died. She goes, oh, that, that, that's awful. He goes, no joke. He said, the whole back nine, it was hit the ball, drag Tom, hit the ball, drag Tom. <laughs> well, we got a late, late arrival there. <laughs> yeah, people are trying to figure out, should I laugh at that? I don't know if I should laugh at that. We're in church, you know. Some people spend their whole lives dragging the past. You know, wake up in the morning, drag the past. You know, go to work, drag the past. Enter a relationship, drag the past. Get married, drag the past. Have a family, drag the past. And at some point, friends, you have to ask yourself, do you really want to keep doing this? Do you really want to keep repeating the same habits in your life? Do you really want to allow that, that past that you, you've got to negatively impact your present? Do you really want to allow people that hurt you in the past to poison your mind as you step into the future? Do you really want to keep tormenting yourself? about how great things could have been if they just would have turned out differently. Friends, the truth is, you will never, ever have the life that God wants you to have. You'll you'll never experience true, lasting joy in your life if you do not learn how to navigate with your past, to navigate with truth and, and with grace you know how? Well, Paul, Paul's going to give us a good look at this. You know, the Apostle Paul, he, he writes this. He says, now that I have already obtained this or have already reached the goal, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. 
Paul says, I haven't obtained it. I'm, I'm not perfect. I haven't figured everything out. But he says, I'm pressing forward because I belong to Jesus Christ. He goes on, he says, beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. Paul says, there's my past. It's behind me. There's my goal. It's in front of me. The goal is before me. The goal is to be the person that God wants me to become. I mean, that is the life right there that God wants me to live. That's the difference God wants me to make with my life. That's the relationship God wants to have with me. He wants me to have that with him. Paul says, I do one thing. I choose the power of God, not the power of the past. I choose the power of God to guide me in my life. He says, I choose that today, and I choose that tomorrow, and from here forward, that's what I choose. And it's interesting because Paul uses the word strain in, in the scripture, which implies this immense effort as he's moving toward. It's every bit of energy is focused toward that goal in his life. And friends, when I have witnessed people that are pushing their past behind them, and they're straining toward that goal, it's really something to watch, something to marvel. But here's the amazing thing to me. Many people do not choose to do that. You know, we, we tend to choose to be victims of our past. And so what we do, we drag it with us. We drag it. We want to see if like, things might change on their own. See if the resentment will just dissipate at some point. See, there's this hope that maybe the guilt will just go away. And so what happens is we think and expect that one day that, that regret, it'll just fade you know, I'll just wake up one day, it'll be gone. And Paul says, that will never work. He says, this one thing, if I don't get anything else right in my life, this one thing I will do, I will choose to not be chained to my past. He says, I'm going to forget what's behind me. I'm going to forget it. And it's interesting because that word forget does not mean erase from my memory. In other words, God will redeem your past, whatever it is. But God won't erase it from your mind. And you know why? Because God wants us to learn from our past. You can't get past your past if you don't do that. You know, to get past my past, I have to learn some things. I have to become wiser I have to become a different person in my life. It's part of growth. It's part of maturity. And some people never take that step. 
I was talking to a woman, it's been, it's been a couple of years ago, and immediately I realized she, she was very angry. And she said to me, she said, I'm not happy. said, I was married a while back. He didn't make me happy. He didn't meet my needs. He left me just like my first husband. And then she proceeded to tell me that she was just mad. She was just mad. She said, I'm mad being alone. I'm mad at men in general. I'm mad that God created men the way that God created them. And she went on and on and on. And finally, she comes up for air. And I go, I take it you're mad. And I said, what is it you want? She said, another man. (laughs) (laughs) All right, now, I was thinking, good luck with that. Then I suggested to her that maybe she needed to work on herself before she went out looking for another man. And, friends, I could tell by the conversation that I just got added to the list of men that she hated. (laughs) I, I wanted to say to her, I never got an opportunity, but I wanted to say to her, when you look at the past, and when you look at the present, and when you look at the future, there's one consistent factor. It's you. See, I've watched people. People recycle the same relational problems. They recycle the same financial problems. They recycle the same vocational problems. And it goes on and on and on. And part of the problem is because we never look at ourselves. We never honestly take a look at what the problem is. You know, Proverbs 26, it says, Like a dog that returns to its vomit. So a fool repeats foolish mistakes. I read that and I think, what is the word vomit doing in the Bible? You know, did the sixth grader write this or what? But the writer chose that word very intentionally. See, the writer wanted us to get that image. He wanted us, when we read that, to go, that's awful. Oh, that's gross. Why would somebody do that? But friends, part of our natural inclination is to get stuck in the same patterns and go back to them because they're familiar, to repeat the same mistakes over and over and over. See, forget, it doesn't mean I don't think about the past. See, forget means I refuse to give it permission to control my future, to keep me from pursuing my my spiritual growth today. I refuse to allow that to happen. This one thing, my past, my past informs me. But you can't let it deform you. I mean, my past can educate me, but it shouldn't devastate me. You know, to make this really practical, what I, I want you to identify something in your life. One thing, don't say it out loud, but I want you to think about one thing from your past and just identify that. That, that one thing 
that you need to let go of so that you can live joyfully today? You know, identify that one thing from your past where you know God needs to bring healing to your life. You know, release, forgiveness. I mean, maybe, maybe it's a divorce or broken relationship. Maybe you were betrayed and you still feel bitter about it. Maybe you had a parent that neglected you or abused you and, and you just can't get past it. Maybe your child broke your heart. Maybe you lost a job because of a bad choice that you made. Maybe there's a boss or business partner. You can't forgive them. Maybe there's some habit or addiction that you just keep falling into. What's that one area where you need to get past your past? We all have it. We all have something. For some of you, that's why happiness never happens. Because something from your past is robbing you of your happiness in the present. See, you're lugging it around, dragging it with you. Carrying it today. You came in with it. You'll carry it tomorrow. And some of you will carry it day after day after day. Some of you will carry it for a lifetime. And if the truth were known, it's, it's killing you. Generally, when you think of something bad in your life, it really, uh, that thing from your past could be identified into one of about three areas. And we're going to look at each of those. And I want to start with what I call my bad. You know, these are things from my past. I want to forget them. These are things that I actually did. They're my fault, okay? And I want to just forget those things. See, forget, again, doesn't mean that I just don't know about it anymore. But if I'm going to forget, I have to own them, have to acknowledge them, have to ask for forgiveness, and I have to learn from them. The only way past my past sometimes, past that guilt, is repent. You know, to repent, to ask God to help me do the, a thorough evaluation of my life. David wrote this, he says, search me, God, and know my heart, test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting See, we need God's help to, to really do an evaluation in our life. In fact, I, I believe without God, we, we tend to be pretty blind to our faults, our, our failures. In fact, I would challenge you to build into your day, at the end of the day, at some point, to just spend a few moments with God and kind of assess your day. You know, search me. Show me my sins. You know, review your day with God. You know, what did I do today? What did I say? Where did I mess up? To begin to ask those kind of questions. And it's interesting because God will raise them and you'll see them. And you'll go, okay, I need to correct that. And if you do that enough and are faithful to it, 
Here's the cool thing that happens. All of a sudden, as you're living your day, as those moments come up, the Holy Spirit starts speaking to you in real time. He goes, that's sin. Don't, don't go there. The, this is going to be a problem. And what it does, it saves you a lot of mistakes, a lot of pain. But that thing in your past, it's got its claws in you. You have to own it. You know, my bad. I've got, I've got to own this. You know, it's my bad. And if I'm going to get past my past, I have to own it. If I don't, I won't. I won't get past it. You know, I mean, sometimes the, the pain from my bad is something I don't want to own. Sometimes my bad, whatever it is, I, I'm kind of blind to it. And so what we do, we, we deflect it, right? We blame someone else. Why? We don't want to own it. We just don't. You know, there's a very prominent college uh, football player. You probably saw it on the news, but he was videotaped in, in public. He actually standing on a table in the cafeteria. And very loudly, he's making these unbelievably off- offensive statements about women. And initially, he got suspended for half a game, and then it ended up being a game. But what really struck me was at, at the press conference, one of the reporters asked him about the situation. I mean, that, that video went viral. He says, what about what happened? And here was the answer. I just have to deal with this adversity. Friends, adversity is when something bad happens to you. Adversity is not something that's self-inflicted. This is not adversity. I mean, he, he needed to learn not to stand on tables and say offensive stuff about women. I mean, he needed to own it and say, you know what, my bad. In fact, he needed to own it before it owns him. The only way you get past my bad is repent. You know, the idea in the the Greek is to do a fearless moral inventory of your life, to have the courage to look at things and to own them. You know, to suffer the sting of what you did, to suffer the pain, to suffer the humiliation. You know, I'm the person that did that. I'm the person that lied. I'm the person that was vindictive. I'm the person that cheated. I'm the person that was self-centered. And God, I confess that to you. God, I want you to help me be a different person. God, I want to talk to whoever I hurt. I want to make it right. And God, I'm going to lay it down at the cross. I'm going to lay it at your feet. I mean, that's why Jesus died. So we could lay it down and let it go. God, I'm letting it go. I'm letting this thing go.
And what happens in that moment is God in his mercy forgives. And then I get a start again. Some of you need that new start. I mean, maybe, maybe getting past your past means you got to own some stuff that's, that's just holding you. It's got, got its claws in you. So you got my bad. There's another category, and I'd call it your bad. And this is the area where I have to let something go because it's something someone else did. You know, it's something you've done or, or someone else. It's, it's not my fault, but it's someone else's fault. Somebody hurt me. Somebody cheated me. Someone insulted me or disrespected me or violated me or whatever. But it's something that someone else did. Something they maybe knew they did. Maybe something they didn't know they did. Maybe it was something they didn't intend to do. Maybe they meant to do it. Friends, this stuff's volatile. It's volatile. There are usually a lot of emotions in this one. Anger, bitterness. And that's why I think this category particularly, it's very difficult to get past. I don't know how many times I've been driving on Homer Adams going west. And uh, right next to uh, Schnooks there in Godfrey, you know how the left lane merges? You know know what I'm talking about? All right. I I have almost seen so many wrecks there. I've actually seen a few. I've seen people make a lot of gestures, mature audience type stuff. I've seen people go crazy. I've seen people whip out into oncoming traffic so they could cut the person off that they thought they'd been cut off by. I mean, one time there was a guy actually at the next light got out of his car and he's standing in front of this lady's car and I mean, he's screaming at her. And she just keeps saying, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. And finally, I got out of my car. A couple other guys got out of their car. I became very bold at that point. <laughs> and I trying to give him some advice. I'm like, dude, you were in the wrong. You need to go back and look at the sign. Left lane merges. And then finally, he, he, I mean, he was wound up. He got in his car and he just sped off, you know. The fact is... It's a little thing, okay? But I couldn't help but think, I wonder what happens when he really gets wronged. It's bet, I bet it's not pretty. Friends, when we get wronged, we hold on to it. A lot of resentment. A lot of bitterness. The only way past... Someone else is bad in your life when somebody has wronged you. The Bible talks a lot about it, and it's a thing called forgiveness. You need to forgive. Now, forgiveness doesn't necessarily mean that we're back in relationship with one another if we had a relationship to start with. But it does mean that at some point, I give up my right to get back at you. And there are a lot of people 
that have never learned this. What they do, they, they carry the resentment from that thing in their past and they drag it with them. And they drag it around year after year after year, sometimes decades, sometimes a lifetime. I got a call several years ago. Uh, one of the guys I was in eighth grade with, um, we were not friends, but we were in class together. And I was kind of surprised he called, but then he proceeded to tell me that he wanted me to know his life had been very, very destructive. And that he'd been on a a long journey, about 25 years. He said, "I, I want to change. And he said, for me to change means I've got to do some stuff. And he was seeking forgiveness And he said he had to let go of some resentment, make some things right. And so he actually put a list together of people, and that's why he was calling, because he wanted to make things right. And so he started sharing with me stuff from when we were in eighth grade together. And friends, I barely remembered any of it. I never thought much about it. But then he said to me, he said, will you forgive me? And I remember saying to him, I said, dude, I forget that stuff a long time ago. And we talked quite a while. I mean, here's what struck me in our conversation is he said asking for forgiveness wasn't as hard as he thought it was going to be. But he dreaded the next step that he needed to take. In fact, he hadn't made any of those calls. But he needed to call the people who had hurt him. And he needed to forgive them. And I remember him saying, if I I don't do this, if I don't forgive them, I'm going to go down that same destructive path. Forgiving is the only way out. Friends, when the pain, when the hurt in life is significant, unforgiveness becomes very toxic. See, forgiveness isn't just saying, oh, I forgive you. It's not just words. In fact, forgiveness, when the pain's great, is a process It's a process of letting it go little by little until you get to a point where you can genuinely say, you know what, I'm letting you off the hook. Paul writes this, he says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. See, you don't forgive because they deserve it. You forgive so that you can get out of the prison of resentment and anger. You forgive them because God forgave you. And friends, when you really get a good look and you think about how God forgave you, what it does is it gives you the strength to forgive other people. I mean, maybe for some of you, 
getting past your past means you've got to forgive someone. And you just need to take those steps. So there's my bad when I make mistakes. There's your bad. Someone else hurts me. And then a, a last category is what I call it's just bad. See, it's not my bad. It's not your bad. It's just bad. You know, a loved one dies. You, you get laid off. An investment turns south on you. The fact is someone gets sick or you get in an accident or the house burns down or whatever. And all this stuff, it, it, it's got regrets in it. And regret a lot of times has to do with our perspective. My evaluation of the circumstances that I find myself in. Regret is the result of disappointment of what might have been in my life. You know, if only I had been accepted to that college. If only the company hadn't closed. If only I had been born to a rich family. You know, if only my my dad hadn't gotten ill. If only that wouldn't have happened. And what is going on is we're contrasting our present reality with what we believe would make us happy. You know, we're comparing some imaginary thing in our mind. We're, We're comparing it with what we believe we could have had. It's interesting, there there have been a lot of studies about Olympic winners. And what they found was the uh, people that won the gold were the happiest. That, That makes sense. But they found something very startling in their study. That even though the silver medalist had beaten the bronze medalist, the bronze medalist were happier than the silver medalists. And the reason being, the reason why the bronze medalist was happier was in their mind, they're looking at the situation, they go, I almost didn't get a medal. I'm thankful I got a medal. I'm thankful I got this medal. And, and so they're, they're looking at that, and they're, that's the comparison. Then the silver medalist... Here's what they're thinking. The silver medalist is looking and going, I almost got the gold. Almost had it. Didn't get it. Almost had it. So you get this bronze medalist. I almost didn't get the medal. I'm thankful I got it. The what if, what if I didn't get the medal. And the silver medalist, I almost got the gold. What if I had gotten the gold? It's a trap. It's a perspective deal. What if? The only way out of it's bad is hope. The only way you're going to get past your past, get past the if only this had happened, if only that hadn't happened, the the regrets that we have. And, And some of you, this is what's destroying you. You've got to believe that God has a future for you. 
there is a hope that what will happen will eclipse your past. And that's true with God. Some of you, that big, big regret from the past, that thing that, that's got a hold of you, you you're going to have to make a choice in your life what kind of path you're going to take. And there are really about three paths you can take. I mean, some go through a situation, you know, suffering or disappointment or a trauma or whatever, but something bad that, that happened. And some people never recover. They just survive. They're miserable most of the time because they remember the past. Oh, it could have been so much better. But this happened. And so what they do, they endure. They endure day after day, year after year. And they just survive. And then there are some people... They go through something bad. And they actually rebound. You know, they they return over time. It takes time. But over time, they return to that vitality that they once had before they went through whatever it is. Before they suffered. Before the disappointment. They, they, They recover over time. Then there are people, very few though, not only do they survive, not only do they recover, they actually thrive. They end up living life at a higher level, higher purpose, higher meaning, with more passion than they did before the situation, before the suffering before the disappointment. They actually thrive. And there have been a lot of studies on this one. You know, why, why do some survive, some recover, and some thrive? And what social science has found, something that God's Word's known for a long time, but the key difference of why people thrive is hope. Hope that their suffering has some meaning, has some purpose to it. It's what you see throughout the Bible when you read God's word and you find David taking on Goliath or you find Daniel in the lion's den or Paul in the prison in Philippi and he's singing praises in the middle of the night and singing hymns. Why did Paul do that? Well, he had hope. And here's what's important. Paul's hope is not based on his ability to thrive. It's based on Jesus Christ. Paul has that hope because of Jesus Christ. I mean, Paul says, Jesus Christ walked out of the grave. I know it, and the power that made that possible is available to me. See, that's the lens. That's the lens Paul's always looking through. He looked at everything through that lens, good, bad, and ugly. That power was available. He understood that. That's why he writes, he says, and we know, and we know. Not we think, not we wish. Oh, I hope maybe. No, he says, we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him who have been called according to his purpose in all things. 
Paul doesn't say in some things, in some situations, in some problems, in some difficulties, in some places, in some relationships, in some circumstance. Paul doesn't say that. He says, in all things. Which tells me, whoever you are, wherever you've been, whatever you've done, whatever you're going through, whatever you've experienced, God is at work bringing good out of it. It's the path. It's the path that Paul understood. It's the path that kept Paul moving forward. One thing. One thing. To know Jesus Christ. Not getting trapped by the past. This one thing, it's to know Jesus Christ. It's to follow him. It's to trust him. It's to allow him to guide me. It's to allow him to make me the person that God wants me to be. That's why Paul wrote this. Beloved, I do not consider that I've made it on my own. But this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me, And straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal. See, the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Jesus Christ. Friends, don't get trapped. It's your life. Life's short. It's your future. And you got to get to a point you just forget what's behind you. You forget it. My bad? Forget it. Your bad? Forget it. It's been bad. Forget it. And strain forward to what's ahead. And one thing. Focus on one thing. And that's focus on God. Focus on who God wants you to be and what God wants to do through your life. One thing. You want happiness? Focus on one thing and let go of that stuff. Some of you need to do that. Let's stand stand for a word of prayer. We'll pick this up next week. There'll be prayer teams down front. You know, I, I challenge you. Maybe you got some my bad stuff. Maybe... You're bad, you know, someone did something to you. Or maybe it was just bad. But friends, I challenge you, make today the day that you let it go. Let God unleash your future. Let him do that. Let's bow in prayer. Our holy God, God, we praise you. God, we've all got stuff in our past. We've all got stuff we need to let go of. Stuff that's robbing us, stealing from us, stealing our futures. God, that's stuff that uh, we just need to lay it down at your feet. God, I know there are some of the things... For some, just need to own it. Ask for forgiveness. Let you cleanse us. Forgive us. For others, maybe they got hurt really bad at some point. 
God, I pray you'd give them the strength to just let it go for their own sake, for their own future. And God, there's a lot of pain and hurt in this world. And there are things that happen. God, I just uh, pray that we can let that stuff go, knowing that you have a big plan, a better plan. God, breathe hope into our lives. God, we long to be who you created us to be and have called us to be. We worship you today. It's in Christ's holy name we pray. God's people said.